Welcome to podcast number one from the podcast Unexpected Answers, brought to you by Golden Dental Solutions out of Golden, Colorado. Have you or a loved one ever dealt with health issues that nobody could seem to diagnose? I am Dr. Nancy Gill, and I've started this podcast to share some of the interesting ways I've been able to help patients dealing with problems that general practitioners can't seem to figure out. I happen to be a dentist. I practice in Golden, Colorado, and you may be surprised to learn about some ways to get to the bottom of an ailment and stay away from the band-aids that keep covering up an underlying issue. And so we bring to you unexpected answers. So in dental school, I learned the basics of teeth and all dentists, I mean, we can drill and fill. We can fill fillings, we can prep crowns, we can make things look pretty. We're kind of artists and we excel in that, I guess. And, um, but we don't really learn a lot about systemic issues. We learn about periodontal disease and how periodontal disease has an oral systemic link, but we don't really learn a whole lot about other things that might be happening in the body. So needless to say, after working in private practice for 15 years, um, I began to wonder how else I might be able to help my patients. So I sought out a lot of continuing education. Um, I learned about systemic issues that can be caused sometimes by things that are happening in your mouth or maybe around your mouth. So it turns out that there's a multitude of systemic issues that we as dentists actually have some clue about. So for example, I can usually tell just by looking at someone, this is kind of funny to think about, but I can tell if they're sleeping poorly, if they snore most likely, or if they happen to toss and turn at night and feel pretty crummy when they wake up in the morning. Um, I can usually tell if they have chronic headaches or possibly if they're suffering from allergies. And we can even help parents with children suffering from ADHD. And we'll even get into some issues with breastfeeding. What happens when the child just won't feed from mom? This list goes on and on. There's so many things that you wouldn't even guess we have any idea about, um, which is why month by month and piece by piece, we are going to give you the information that will help you, a loved one, a friend, find the help that you may be looking for. So I guess I keep saying we. So this is a great time to kind of introduce my sidekick. Um, my husband, Dave, is going to be here for a lot of comic relief. I hope so. I'll try. <laughs> and just to be maybe not, I, I tend to be very wordy and very detail-oriented, and he tends to tone me down a little bit. So he's here for that as well. Well, and really... I'm a non-dentist, so really I'm here just to ask the dumb questions and make sure that the things that we're conveying are really clear and understandable for a lay audience, you know, for the average person, because that's really the intended audience. And, and being married to a dentist, it's, it's been pretty interesting. I've actually learned quite a bit just from being around Nancy and asking lots of questions. And one of the things I really find fascinating about just the mouth in general is if you think about... Uh, just what a human body needs to survive. Pretty much everything that you need to survive on a moment-to-moment -moment basis comes in through your mouth and through your nose. I mean, so we're talking about uh, oxygen, uh, food, water, those sorts of things. And there's this interesting sort of rule of three with survival that I think kind of applies. It's that 
you know, you can survive about three weeks without food. Uh, you can survive about three hours out in the elements in the cold. Uh, you can survive three days uh, about water. three days without water. Uh, but you can only survive about three minutes without oxygen. Uh, the, and so it stands to reason that if you there's something systemic with your nose or your, your throat or your mouth that is affecting your body's intake of those resources, that there are some systemic issues that can can be sort of a cascading effect after that. And it's pretty interesting. Right. So um, for example, let's, let's see, I'm trying to think of some instances in my practice that I've helped with. Um, the one that's coming to mind that's the most apparent is um, a woman, let's see, I think she was in her late 60s, early 70s, and she was still working. And she said that she would literally go out to her car at lunch and nap. She was so exhausted. The poorly, I can't even imagine having to take a break in the middle of the day and just, I just can't even keep my eyes open long enough to focus. She, and had, so, a, she had to go pull a Costanza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fine belt. So that was one of the things that come to mind. And um, so we worked with her and we got her some help. Um, I'm thinking about this other person who had just serious oral facial pain and he had gone to neurologist. He had seen pain management people, a few TMJ people. Um, ultimately, he was one of those people that I looked at and I thought, he has a sleep issue. And um, I think we made him a nighttime appliance to wear. And within one day, he called me the next day and said, oh my goodness, this is just so night and day different than my regular life. I woke up for the first time, I wasn't in pain. I was able to sleep great. Um, so there's lots of different things that we can look at and help with. And, and I love helping the kids because I feel like we have this opportunity to shape this generation and not make them kind of like us. I feel like there are so many baby boomer generation and Gen X people that are having these sleep apnea and sleep breathing disorder issues. And so I think it's our time. Well, and you talk about our generation, uh, maybe you want to talk about why you, one of the main reasons you went and sought out the continuing education had to do with me wanting to fix yourself. I know, so selfish, but as, <laughs> as a dentist, I had the railroad track braces. So I had braces in the 80s and they were the ones that I had the band around each individual tooth. And I remember in eighth grade, a friend of mine had the square ones that everybody knows today as being braces. But I remember looking at her and saying, oh my gosh, that looks awesome. What are those? <laughs> because in my mouth, you couldn't even see my teeth. I had so much metal in my mouth that you couldn't see teeth. You know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of you with those braces. Well, that's probably a good thing. There's probably, there's probably a reason why you haven't. I mean, I don't remember you talking about how big the braces were before. but <laughs> Oh, they're a monster. They're a monster. And then on top of that, not only did I have the railroad track braces, but then I had the headgear. And ultimately, briefly, I'll tell you that a headgear, think about it. It is a wire that goes into a tube of a bracket on your upper molars. And it basically pulls your maxilla, which is your upper jaw, back. And so think about it anatomically we're pulling our jaws back into our airway so, it's not smart so wait let me ask a dumb question what was the wire attached to that it pulled on like the back of your head neck, like the back of my neck so you had like a strap around the back of your neck and then do the you think that's why i have neck problems today 
Oh. <laughs> you think? You think that like using goes, this torque on my neck was goes, a problem? Goes back to the headgear. Oh my gosh, I know. And we used to have to sleep with them. And then my parents were, you know, it was expensive then, and they sent me to the best orthodontist in our area. And back then, um, I remember if I didn't wear it at night, I was wearing it to school. So, so you can better believe I wore it at night. I think I had to wear it to school twice. At what age? Mm, how old was I? I don't know. Maybe like 10. Yeah. Mm. 11. That's rough. Yeah. But so now as an adult, what kind of stemmed from that that you that, that made that you needed fixed? I mean, because obviously right. all that was done to, to you for a reason that was hopefully going to have a positive outcome. but Right. So instead of moving my lower jaw forward, they moved my entire head back. <laughs> so things that developed. I have chronic neck pain, um, and I do seek help. So I do um, physical therapy, um, a chiropractor, and then it's kind of funny because people are like, well, why don't you get fixed? And I'm like, well, I kind of need someone to fix me, right? Because I'm the fixer. And I kind of need someone to kind of get me under control. And so, um, yeah, there's some options. It's hard to do dental work on yourself. It's hard to do dental work on yourself, this type anyways. The um, So things that happened. I have recession, which is gum tissue loss on every single tooth in my head, which means that my teeth were torqued and moved out of the bone because if there's no bone there, there's no tissue. And so I have bone loss everywhere and I have tissue loss everywhere and my teeth are kind of slanted in. I now, Well, just real quick, Nancy yes. has as beautiful a smile as you will ever see. And I'm not just saying that because I'm her husband, but she mm -hmm. has, you would say that her teeth look absolutely gorgeous, but the orthodontist made them look pretty, but right. without understanding that they were also creating some unintended consequences. Right, right. So there's that. Um, there is clicking and popping that I have. I actually did treat myself for that, so that is gone. Um, so that was one thing I did actually do on myself. What did you do on yourself? <laughs> well, I made an appliance that basically took the cant out of my jaw, so um, I made it pretty much open and close at the same time instead of moving. The teeth weren't in the right spot, basically. Did you make yourself new headgear? Is that what I'm hearing? Never. I hate those things. <laughs> if I could burn it, I there would. There was no strap on the back of her head. <laughs> there wasn't, no. Um, and I still sleep, as Dave knows, to this day with that mouth appliance in, um, which helps me a ton. It helps me sleep better and also helps my, my alignment um, be really, really good. So no click, no pop. Had recession, still have some recession. Had grafting when I was 16. What's, braces, what's, what's grafting? Soft tissue grafting, where they take pieces of tissue from the roof of your mouth and they put it over any spot where the gum isn't present anymore. So you had so much like gum tissue recession, like underneath your, at, at the base of your teeth yeah. that they needed to cover up with tissue they put, pulled from the top of your, the roof of your mouth. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And I was only 16. Yeah. So that, that's pretty young. The others, um, so neck pain, because one thing that we know now is that if you forward head posture, meaning that your shoulders are rolled in and your head sits in front of your shoulders, every inch it sits in front of it is 10 pounds of pressure on your neck. So example, one inch in front is 10 pounds, two inches is 20 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. And it's actually an overcompensation to open the airway. So when there were CBCTs, which is a CAT scan, basically done on airways, someone that had a restricted airway in an upright, perfect posture, actually their airway closed more but when they rolled their shoulders forward and they moved their head forward, it actually opened their airway. 
So it's a compensatory action of our bodies to open up the airway more. So um, people with airway issues early on, because of pulling your jaw back into your airway when I was 11, now I have this compensatory action of my head moving forward because of it. So there's some ways your body can develop or posture itself that you don't even realize that really have to do with your body trying to be able to breathe. It'll do anything to live. It just wants to make the next day. Yeah. Everything. And we're going to talk about that more because we're going to talk about all the things that it will do during episodes of sleep issues and apnea and kids and snoring and all that stuff and why our bodies are working so hard to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're headed in the future. Um, I guess the other thing we wanted to mention was um, after I delivered our child, I um, I had gained some weight. And so that was no. the other thing. Women never gain weight during pregnancy. <laughs> never happens when you're pregnant. <laughs> Didn't happen to me. Um, and all, that can also actually exacerbate the problem because any kind of weight added to the body will add to the tongue and will add to the back of the throat too. So um, that didn't help matters. But we well, she, to slept, talk... she slept horribly when she was pregnant. Oh. It was just, it was bad. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you have a cold. I mean, you're stuffed up, your mouth breathing, nothing's good. So it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation. We did want to chat about our daughter, though, and that was my second driving force for why we wanted to do more continuing education and um, what was going on in our lives during that time. And, and hers was a huge sleep issue. We, gosh, from day one, we brought her home from the hospital and the poor little thing. She didn't sleep well ever. We did all the books. We did, what was the book called that we did that everybody does? Um, not baby led weaning. Um baby led sleeping i can't think of the name of it right now but the 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 sleep book that a lot of people do we did that we read blogs we read internet we listened to pediatricians we tried everything and she just wouldn't sleep through the night ever um which meant we we never slept yeah Yeah. we were just and, and i know a lot of parents deal with some degree of this to another but you know it's one of those things or what are the what are the two questions you get asked when you're a new parent like, are you breastfeeding? Like, how are you feeding your child? Which is super personal. And then, how is your child sleeping? And both of them are really personal questions. And if you say not good to either one of those, then this other parent or family member, whoever it is, is kind of feels bad for you and starts the oh poor pity party story, and you feel like even worse of a parent than you were before. <laughs> so it was yeah, never... Yeah, it makes you start feeling a little insecure about, you know, if you're doing a good job or not, especially as a new parent, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but as I continued my education, what we found out was that um, she was having something called a night terror. And a, a night terror, it's not like a nightmare where you can wake the child up and kind of console them. A night terror is when any kind of touch from your hand or your voice will just make them go into overdrive and it'll make it worse. It'll make it last longer. It'll make it more intense. They scream, they cry, they flail it around. Um, it, it's a horrible, frightening thing to happen. So if anybody ever had one happen to a child, you know that it's it's hardly controllable. It, yeah. And it goes on for two, three minutes and, and you try to console your child and they just, they're almost having like an out of body experience and it just, feels like it goes on forever and there's just nothing normal about that and that was just so eye-opening to just see our two three-year-old daughter 
having such an awful experience and then this was happening at least on a, on a weekly basis right and we even had it happen one time we went on a trip to hawaii and and when we're on our way back the only flight back we could find happened to be a red eye and so one in the morning everybody on this flight is trying to sleep and our daughter uh is sitting sitting between the two of us has a night terror Right. On a crowded, full airplane at one in the morning. And it wasn't only one. It was like three. It was like one at the first hour, another one on hour two, another one on hour three. The flight attendant comes over to us. There's nothing we can do. And I think I even said to her, do you think you want this to happen right now? We don't want this to happen. We want to fix it. But it's a night here. There's nothing we can do. So. Yeah, I mean, it even got so bad that our daughter, like, was flailing around and ended up on the floor between us. And we just couldn't touch her because she'd start kicking and, and fighting us. It was just yeah. crazy. We just but... had to make sure she didn't get hurt. Um, so it is really scary. But um, what I found out later is that she had a sleep issue. And no one really believed me. No one knew enough about it. No one believed me. I knew enough at this point in my education that I knew something wasn't right. And so I dug really, really deep. Um, I went to more classes and I had her do a sleep study and an allergy test. So that was the first thing I did. I did allergy testing. She wasn't allergic to anything environmental. Um, she wasn't allergic to any foods or anything like that. Um, and, why, and why would the allergy test impact the sleep? Though? Well, because allergies will often make the tonsils and the adenoids and the nose flare up so they can't breathe properly, which then makes them snore or makes them not be able to sleep efficiently. So that was the first thing. That's always the first thing. So if any of you out there are resonating with any of our stories, that's the first thing to do for your child is get an allergy test. Uh, and just a quick aside, mm -hmm. uh, it's never normal for a child to snore. Never. Right? Or mouth breathe. Ever. Or an adult, for that matter. It's not normal. I, this is another podcast, but it's not normal for adults to snore either. It's usually an underlying problem. And it's not normal for adults to mouth breathe either. It's, it's probably an underlying problem. Healthy. It may be common, but it's not healthy. Right, right. It doesn't have to be that way. But right. anyway. So the um, allergist is first. Then we had her do a sleep study. And the sleep study... It was horrific. I mean, she slept horribly in the hospital. She didn't sleep all night. And when I say all night, I mean, she was she had night terror after night terror. And still, even after those results, the doctor that was reviewing the study said, no, she was fine. She Her oxygen levels were 98, 99%. She's fine. And I thought, she didn't sleep a wink. So you don't think that's a problem for her performance when she gets to school age or when she's five or six or seven you don't think it's going to be a problem not sleeping like what what about this was normal to you right. i mean like okay the oxygen was fine right but, i thought I, it was like the worst night of my life yeah and i don't want it to make it sound like we were um like hypochondriac you know parents or anything but you know this was this was a problem right so i had proceeded to go to four different ENTs just for evaluations. And I can see at this point in time, she was, um, she was probably about three at this point after we had done a couple of consults and she would let me look in the back of her throat. And so I had taken pictures and her tonsils were almost kissing. And what I mean by that is that they're class three, class four, and class four is the highest classification. It's basically when you look in the back of the throat and the child says, ah, you can actually see the two melon ball tonsils back there touching. 
And that's a huge problem because think about that. There's no swallowing. They choke more. There's no airway back there. It's just these big honking tonsils hanging out in the back of the throat. So evaluation after evaluation, I got laughed at. I got made fun of. I told, I was told that I was overstepping my boundaries. It was just a big mess of embarrassing situations. But yet I still knew that this is not how I want my child to develop. I just knew it wasn't right. I finally went to an ENT, um, Dr. Paz, I'm going to say her name because if anyone's in Denver, you should see her because she's amazing. But she was our last consult that actually understood what I was saying and really got what we were talking about. Her son had gone through it too. Um, these ENTs, unfortunately, insurance has such a huge hand in how they diagnose these days. Us too. I mean, dentists and medical professionals alike, we are subjected to these insurance rules and regulations. Yeah, and it's, so, like, it's like your care is dictated by what an insurance company has decided they will pay for right. and under what conditions. Right. Instead right. of letting not individual caregivers do, you know, provide the right care they think they need to provide. Right. It's a broken system. But anyway, so I said to her, can you just look at my child and just tell me if insurance wasn't a factor and if we had unlimited means, which we didn't, of course, but I wanted her to diagnose as if we did. And um, I said, what would you say? And she said, I would definitely take out the tonsils and adenoids. And I said, Let's do that. I think we need to proceed and get things going. So our daughter went through the surgery, which is never fun. And it wasn't like we were like, yay, surgery. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible experience. Yeah. Um, and this was right when she was uh, turning four. Right. Just right about a month before her fourth birthday. Right. And I will say that another dentist had contacted me because he also would tell people to get their tonsils and adenoids out. And then his daughter came to be that she was turning three and she had to get her tonsils and adenoids out and he was scared to death and he said you know i've been telling people this for years and years because i know it's the right thing to do but now it's my own child can you walk me through it so if anybody ever wants us to walk through what that's like we can do another podcast on that but you'd have to respond back so we know that that's an important thing to talk about otherwise i don't know if anybody wants to hear that so um we went through the surgery and within a day of her coming home she didn't have another single night terror and it was absolutely miracle for us. Yeah. She went from having them like on a weekly basis to like never having them She would them have again. like four or five a week. And, and it got to where she was sleeping through the night for the first time in our lives. I mean, it was like, it was like we got our life back. Yeah. And, and what was interesting is it, it, we, we never really got an answer of why her tonsils were enlarged. Um, Cause you know, like we said, she didn't, have any allergies of significance or anything like that. Um, but regardless, you know, Nancy with her training knew that this is not normal. She should have more room back there to be able to breathe. And when you're sleeping, you're breathing while you're sleeping really impacts the quality of your sleep. And as a little girl developing, that is just so important at that time. And it was just remarkable how much of a difference just that that made. And, the reason we're doing this podcast is because so many people will just take somebody's word for it that tells you that that's normal and you shouldn't worry about it and oh, they'll, they'll grow out of it or something like that. Right. You know, I give Nancy credit that she wouldn't take no for an answer. She knew that this was not normal. Right. And I, and I see so many patients on a daily basis that 
they say that exact same thing. They say, well, we saw our pediatrician or we talked about the tonsils and they said that they'll grow out of the tonsils, that they're fine. I said, okay, well, does your child snore? Does your child have attention issues at school? Do they toss and turn at night? Are the covers off the bed? All those sorts of things are warning signs that there's something going on during their sleep patterns and they're not getting the most efficient sleep that they can. So it's something to definitely look into. And you know, we're just trying to help people and let them have another avenue and let them be open to other thought processes that maybe aren't being brought up on a regular routine basis with their medical providers. Um, so to wrap things up for today, let's see, we're going to talk about other things in the future. One thing that's coming to mind is I have a friend, um, I'm on the West Coast, she's on the East Coast, and her child had speech problems went to a speech pathologist for years and years and years, no change, and she's wondering what's going on. And we actually did a little mini exam on him last summer, and we found all sorts of stuff that we're going to talk about and how his speech is developing differently. And I would say that that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, because his mom, Nancy's friend, was... Oh my gosh, Nancy, other people need to hear about this stuff. Right. How can we have gone on all these all these dentists and all these doctors and no one said a single word and all these speech pathologists and no one said anything? So um, we just want to create some awareness. The other thing is breastfeeding. So when the baby just won't latch, um, there's other things you can do to help the baby latch better. And breastfeeding ultimately is great. And we're going to tell you why it's important and what to do to make it better, um, and that you're not a failure, that you can actually make this work if you wanted to. Um, and if you don't, that's okay too. And the other thing, um, GERD, we talk about GERD and acid reflux, such a huge thing, and maybe it's an underlying sleep problem. People sometimes have major acid reflux and they just don't know what to do about it. They're popping tums by the handful throughout the day and they're wondering why. Um, they watch their diets and it's still not controlled, but it actually might be an underlying sleep problem. We'll tell you why that might be. And there's so many other fun topics. I'm so passionate about all of this stuff and we're so interested in hearing things that you're interested in as well. So if there's something that popped up today that you would like to hear more about, please message us so we know what that is and so we can talk about it in the future. For tonight, though, um, we want to thank you for listening and for tuning in. We hope that we bring you some information that maybe you didn't know about before, and we hope to be another source for you in the future. And with that, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.